Welcome to True Crime Works, a true crime podcast. This is episode 25, Robert Leroy Anderson, aka the duct tape killer. Hey everyone, welcome back to True Crime Works. This is episode number 25, and it is about the crimes of Robert Leroy Anderson, who is also known as the duct tape killer. So we have another murderer for this week's episode. This is a very dark case, to say the least, and it involves sexual sadism, which is where the perpetrator gets off on causing harm to others. For the sexual sadist, their crimes begin in fantasy. Sexual sadism is considered the most dangerous paraphilias and is thankfully very rare. Fantasy can be defined as the mental rehearsal of a desired event. The mental rehearsal plays a critical role in the enactment of sexual crimes. It serves as kind of an editing mechanism that allows the offender to focus on the details of the crime and what is particularly arousing to them. It can kind of provide a template or map for the offender to follow when he commits the actual crime. Robert Leroy Anderson is an example of a ritualistic offender who progressed from the fantasy he scripted in his mind to the horrifying events that he committed in his real life. Fantasy played a central role in the two murders he was convicted of committing. If he was not stopped, the FBI profilers who were working on his case are convinced he would have continued to commit more murders. Before we get into this case, I did want to issue a trigger warning because this case does involve crimes and crimes of a sexual nature. So if this is something that is offensive to you, this may not be the episode for you. You may want to skip this one. All right, let's get into this. Robert was born Robert Leroy Anderson on 1970 in South Dakota, United States. Not much is known about his childhood or his life before the murders. There is more known about his victims. The first woman he was convicted of killing was named Piper Strail. She was born Piper Potts, and she was a young woman from Texas who would meet her future husband, Vance Strail, at a Bible college in Oregon. They married in the year 1988, And after that, they moved to a trailer on 40 acres in a rural community in South Dakota. They had two children together, Shana and Nathan, who were three and two years of age. This family was a deeply religious couple, and they had dreams of having their own part-time ministry, which they wanted to call the Prairie View Bible Camp for Children. From the road, passing cars could see the pews they set up in their yard. On the morning of July 29, 1996, at 6.30 in the morning, Vance, who was 29, left for his job as a plumber. Piper, who was 28 at the time, ordinarily would have left a short time later to take the children to a babysitter so she could start her job at the Southeastern Children's Center in Sioux Falls. She even called the babysitter to say that they were on their way. But she never arrived at the babysitter's house or her job. Her husband called home at noon and left a message on the answering machine. 
He was very concerned when he didn't hear back because it was unusual. Around 3 o'clock, Patty Sinclair, who worked with Piper at the daycare, called to check on her. Shana answered the phone instead, the child, and said, quote, I don't want my mommy to die. I don't want my daddy to die. They're probably killed, end quote. Patty was stunned at this, and she called a co-worker and said that they should call the McCook County Sheriff's Office as she redialed the number. And she spoke with Shana again, and she kept her on the phone while the law enforcement arrived. It was almost 5 o'clock at this time, and the police arrived to find the children and the dog, but they could not find any signs of Piper or where she was. The trailer was a mess, but the children were not harmed, at least not physically. Shana was in tears, and Nathan didn't even make a sound. The police asked the three-year-old girl what happened, and she said that a mean man driving a black vehicle with black wheels came into the house and grabbed her mother. She said that there was a lot of yelling going on, and the man even shot a gun. Their mother told the children to hide. Shana was really insistent that her mother was going to die. She kept saying, quote, she's not coming back, end quote. The police then searched for anything they could find, but did not find anything. That was until late on July 29th. And that's when Vance recalled that there was a visitor to the house three days earlier. And he called him a chubby, balding stranger in his mid-twenties. The man said his name was Rob Anderson. Vance notified the police, who followed up on the information. Vance said he was surprised to see that someone else was home, and he mumbled something about having driven by the house several times over the past month. Piper answered the door when he came in, and he asked about enrolling his children in the Bible camp. Vance told him the camp was closed for the year, but they would add his name to the list for the next year. Piper wrote his name and phone number down on a piece of paper, and Anderson left. By the next morning, investigators identified the man as 26-year-old Robert Leroy Anderson, who was a high school dropout and a father of four who was twice married before and lived in Sioux Falls. He worked as a maintenance man on the 11 p.m. to 7.30 shift at a meat packing plant in the area. Officers went to his house where they woke him and spoke with him. He voluntarily drove his blue Ford Bronco to the police station. The team searched the car and his house with a warrant while he underwent a seven-hour police interrogation. Beneath the carpeting of the car, the police would find a plywood platform with holes drilled into it, each cleverly designed to accommodate wrist or ankle restraints. They also found a toolbox containing chain and wooden dowels, and also dog hairs that were similar to the family dog of Piper and Vance. Anderson remained calm during questioning, and he denied any knowledge of Piper's whereabouts but he said he did visit her before. The investigation slowly stalled as investigators 
and forensic scientists failed to obtain crucial evidence that would lead to the location of Piper. This brings us to his next victim, Larissa Demansky. In 1991, Larissa was 29 years old. She and her husband, Bill, had moved to South Dakota from the Ukraine. They were both eager to start a new life in the United States, and they began working at the John Morrell & Co. meat packing plant. Eventually, Bill would move on to another job, but Larissa remained at the meat plant and was working mostly on the night shift. And that's where she befriended the maintenance man, Robert Leroy Anderson. This was all about two years before Piper's disappearance. Anderson confessed his violent fantasies to his friend Glenn Walker, who also shared a common interest with him. They both wanted to find out what it would be like to abduct and kill a woman. So they came up with this plan to kidnap Larissa, and Anderson had been stalking her for several months. On August 26th, 1991, Anderson approached Larissa in the parking lot at work. He held her at knife point and ordered her into his vehicle. Anderson and Walker then drove Larissa to Lake Vermilion. When they arrived there, Walker watched as Anderson dragged her out of the car and raped her several times. She apparently pleaded for her life, but Anderson ignored her. During the testimony given by Walker after the incident, he said that Anderson suffocated her with duct tape, then buried her remains beneath a chokeberry bush. At the time of her death, Larissa was six weeks pregnant. Jumping ahead to after Piper's disappearance, Anderson denied any knowledge of Larissa's disappearance. Meanwhile, investigators would find a pair of his blue jeans in the laundry area of his trailer that were stained with blood and semen. Tests would prove inconclusive as to their source. The search would also find handcuffed keys and a container of black water-soluble spray paint that was discovered in his Bronco. Confronted with the handcuff keys, Anderson admitted that they were his, but he didn't own the handcuffs to go with them. Vance Strail later picked out Robert in a lineup of the man who came to his home the morning of the 26th. His daughter, Shana, identified him as the mean man who took her mother away. At 1.30 in the morning on August 2nd, the Sioux Falls police arrested Robert Anderson at Morell's where he worked and charged him with kidnapping Piper. She was still missing, so hundreds of officers and volunteers looked through the area near the trailer but could not find anything. A forensic botanist was able to prove that the identified bits of plants found in the toolbox in the back of Anderson's Bronco were hornwort and black snake root, which were only known to grow in certain areas near the small town of Baltic. Police searched the area and they found half of Piper's t-shirt beneath a small tree. Dangling from a branch above it were several lengths of duct tape, wadded up together and matted with human hair that proved to be Piper's hair. Anderson was charged with kidnapping Piper and went on trial the following spring. 
He was not charged with murder since there wasn't enough evidence to prosecute him successfully for that crime. A reconstruction of events showed that Anderson drove to the Strails trailer on the 29th. He handcuffed Piper, retrieved the note with his name and phone number on it, carried her to the Bronco, and then drove to the area near Baltic. After securing her to the platform hidden in his vehicle, he gagged her with duct tape. He then cut her shirt open with a knife and brutally sexually assaulted her with the dildo and used the candle to drip hot wax on her genitals before killing her and disposing of her body. The dildo and the partially burned candle were found next to the duct tape with her hair. Anderson then returned to the Strail house and retrieved a watch that he dropped during the struggle, as well as expanded shell casing from the round that Shayna reportedly said he fired. On May 8, 1997, Anderson's jury found him guilty of kidnapping Piper. Two months later, he was sentenced to life in prison. Anderson complained in court that he was an innocent victim. Sexual status offenders plan their crimes in great detail, more than other criminals. It all begins in the mind with these elaborate fantasies that they act out. The evidence showed that Robert Leroy Anderson had a plan in mind when he went to the house. She was not a random victim. She was targeted by him. She was well chosen in advance. And so was the area. He gathered the materials that he needed to act out his fantasy. After Robert was convicted of kidnapping Piper, Glenn Walker came forward and he recalled his friend's abduction murder fantasies that dated all the way back to high school. He said, quote, He said he'd really like to try suffocating a woman and then bring her back and then suffocate her and bring her back and just torment her. End quote. Walker had critically important information. The location of Larissa Demansky's remains, or what was left of them. He recalled Larissa's final moments. She pleaded for her life. She told him she was pregnant. She promised not to tell anyone about what happened if he only let her live. Instead, he wrapped her mouth and nose in duct tape and watched her struggle as she suffocated. Then he buried her beneath the bush. A forensic team recovered scattered fragments of Larissa's skeleton at the site, as well as part of her belt and shoes. In July 1997, the prosecutor felt like he had enough evidence to charge Anderson with the Demansky killing. On April 6, 1999, a jury of eight men and eight women found Robert Leroy Anderson guilty in all four counts, including the rape and murder of Piper and the kidnapping and murder of Larissa. Glenn Walker was also tried for his crimes in March of 2000. He pled guilty to accessory to kidnapping and first-degree murder and conspiracy to kidnap Larissa Demansky. He received a total of 30 consecutive years behind bars at the South Dakota State Penitentiary. Three days after Anderson's sentence, he was sentenced by the same jury to... The Supreme Court met to discuss Anderson's appeal in March of 2002.
The court would make their final decision in May of 2003, but Anderson would never hear the final results. This is because on March 30, 2002, while awaiting the outcome of his appeal, Robert Leroy Anderson died by suicide. He was placed in isolation because he was found in possession of a razor blade. It was likely that he obtained this blade to die by suicide, but he was found hanging by a sheet tied to a bar. Three months before Robert Leroy Anderson died by suicide, his father also died by suicide. This was a gunshot wound to his head. His father's actions may have been a catalyst, which prompted him to take his own life. After his suicide, the Supreme Court of South Dakota dismissed his appeal. Court documents suggested that they would have upheld his convictions anyway. Another factor in his suicide could have been that he knew his appeal would be denied. I find the psychology behind this very interesting. It's really amazing how someone can have these kind of feelings and the offender has the choice whether or not to act on it and how to act on it. It is when the individual takes the leap from consenting to non-consenting partners that things turn criminal. Well, that was True Crime Works, episode number 25, Robert Leroy Anderson. I can't believe it's already been 25 episodes of the podcast. Your support means everything to me, and I really wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening every week. If you could, just take a moment to rate, subscribe, and review. It really helps the show out, and it helps us bring you more episodes. Thank you so much for listening again, and I look forward to talking to you next week.